Welcome to the WA Property Q&A, the podcast where I explore the ins and outs of buying property in Western Australia. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and each week I interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in WA. From market trends to legal considerations, no topic is off limits. But before we dive in, a friendly reminder, while we provide valuable information, it's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Welcome to the WA Property Q&A podcast. My name is Peter Fletcher. I'll be your host for the day and with me is Suzanne Brown. Hi, Peter. Suzanne Brown is the principal and founder of Rent West uh, Solutions in Applecross, one of the bigger real estate um, property management firms in Perth, managing over 1,500 properties, built organically as I understand it. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot I love about the way Sue goes about doing her business and her business. And uh, today I want to talk to Sue about what Sue is an expert at, and that is what makes a good rental property. And I also want to talk to Sue about the new tenancy legislation. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Shall we start there? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay. So there's new tenancy legislation proposed uh, that's going to amend the Residential Tenancies Act. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. Yep. Yep. So give us the uh, give us the soldiers five on. So yes, as Rewa have advocated very heavily to retain the no grounds termination, which is um, really pleasing to see the government have listened to us in terms of that really affecting supply, which is the major issue that is um, affecting the vacancy rate at the moment. And I'm pretty sure we're the only state to be able to retain that, which is in in Australia, which is um, great news. Can I just interrupt there, Sue? Can you just explain to me what the benefit of retaining no grounds terminations are? I can't imagine why, you know, what no grounds actually means because you would never terminate a tenancy for no reason. No. Uh, Look, it's only used on periodic tenancies. And again, it's uh, periodic tenancies are very a minimal part of your portfolio. And from there, Demir said it would only relate to it was only used in 1.8% of occasions in periodic tenancies. So there was argument on both sides. They, Demirs were like, well, if it's used so rarely, why have it? And we were like, it's used rarely, we should retain it because when we need to use it, we really need to use it. Some examples would be if you had a, a, a magistrate will never evict for, let's say, excessive um, water bills that haven't been paid by the tenant. The court will not evict on that, those grounds. So a tenant could rack up, you know, a thousand, two thousand dollars worth of water bills, never pay their utilities, and we couldn't do anything about it. So we would use it in those cases. Mm. Definitely use it for antisocial behaviour. Sometimes we might have a tenant that's very aggressive. We don't want to give them a reason. We just want to end the tenancy. Sometimes owners have a lot of times too. You you, you have tenants that um, elect. They're actually electing for a periodic tenancy due to work contracts, you know, we've got a really transient workforce in WA, so they might say, look, my contract's only for six months, can I have, can I go on periodic till I know that's going to be renewed? 
and then owners, we want owners to retain that right of, basically, I think it's, it's you know, we don't want the erosion of owners' rights for their property, you know, mm-hmm. continually, this continual erosion of what they can and can't do. So, and very rarely would we evict a tenant without giving them mm. a good reason. You know, the owner's selling, the owner's moving family in, the owner's going to move back, um, coming back from overseas, they're moving in themselves, they're renovating a whole host of, there's, you know, we, we extend that courtesy to every tenant of giving them a reason why they're, we're taking their home back from them. So mm. again, very rarely used. The concern was once it was in, in periodic tenancies, suddenly the government would then move to bring it into fixed-term tenancy. So in some of the eastern states, states that you actually can't end a fixed-term tenancy. They roll over to wow. continual. So wow. it's just that continual erosion that we were trying to protect for, from our owners. Mm. Mm. Is it, an owner might want to lease a property for two years and that's it, and then they might have plans that yeah right yeah people go traveling they they go we're going to caravan for 18 months and this is when our property is available we wanted to shore that up for owners that they actually can get their property back when they want it because in COVID times you saw the legislation that came in that you couldn't evict tenants yeah so I think that's that's really important and and again it came back to supply we need those owners to um, assist with the supply of private housing for and did you detect uh, like did, did you as a as a property management agency and rewa and I know that you're not here talking on behalf of rewa you're talking just on on behalf of rent yep. west and yourself but you know w- was there a sort of an indication that people would abandon the ownership of rental properties if these aggressive le- legislation came in yeah so i think what helped rewa in particular with their lobbying was we went out to 10,000 the members themselves went out to 10 over 10,000 owners and got 10,000 responses to a survey and 67% said they would sell if that came in. So that was pretty wow. um, pretty significant research um, to be able to provide the government. And imagine if like 67% of owners suddenly sold off the, their, their rental stock, the rents are already diabolical. Imagine yeah, what would happen. Horrendous. Yeah, wow. it would mm. be. Yeah. And again, I think would they, you know, push came to shove, would they actually sell? I think it, it keeps coming back to that asset class. We just can't keep having the government interfering in an asset class where you put your money and telling you what you can and can't do with it. Yes. Yeah, they don't do it with, with shares. shares. Yeah, no. why, why should they should do they it? with property. Yeah. So I, and think- I, I get there's, there's some sort of, you know, there's social responsibility in, in investing in an asset that is like so Housing, connected yeah. with people's lives, yes, unlike yeah. a share. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you've got to... Balance that. Yeah, I you've think. got to strike that balance. Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah, good. Yeah. And I think the minister's done that. She, uh, Sue Ellery, really understood that balance of, you know, both sides. So, mm. Mm. Yeah, the, the legislators, they do have a, an issue on their hands, don't they? they they've got to, Huge. you know, they've got to think through the problems. They do. Okay, so that that's one. That's the one. Um, the other ones are pets, which is going to be quite contentious. So pets will be allowed in every property unless an owner has good reason not to allow them. I think the devil's going to be in the detail with mm. all of these reforms. Mm. And if I turn up with a horse. Yeah. It uh, might be a bit challenging. Yeah. So it won't be, and I've heard people say to me, oh, well, we won't just accept them. We won't accept the application, but it will be more like you'll turn up a routine inspection and suddenly there'll be a pet when there wasn't one, or they won't put them on an application because they 
you know, we can't discriminate against having pets. Yeah, so we, they, the tenants won't have to disclose it. Disclose so it, yeah. I mean, they will have to pay a bond. So, I, I, yeah, again, the devil's going to be in the detail. Mm. But it will be that at any point in time they will say, I'm getting a dog and the owner won't be able to refuse unless and, – and, again, from research I've done in the eastern states, the – Applications that have gone to VCAT or the tribunals very rarely have the magistrate awarded in favour of the owner. So, you know, I suppose there's religious grounds, there's medical allergies, but it comes down to, you know, if you've got a furnished property and, and you've got a, people have their dogs sleeping in the bed, you know, the next tenancy, do they want to sleep in a bed where people have had a dog in there? If you've got a nice leather lounge, do you want cats clawing at it? You know, a whole host of, host of things. So, I think that's going to be another jarring one for owners and for um, tenants. To come I imagine to terms where, with where they they go. Well, you know, inexperienced pet owners, they oh, let's get a dog, and dog, next yeah. minute the dogs chewed the yeah, you know, the, the architraves off the mm. or the skirting boards as they do. And there's some occasions where instances where we wouldn't accept an application with a pet if you've got a a small two-bedroom place in Butler with no shade, no outdoor area, and the, and the tenants have got a dog, you know, at, that's that's not a suitable property to have a dog. And we would decline, even though the owners might want an um, application okay with a tenant with pets, we would decline that application based on it's not, not suitable. So mm-hmm. um, the other one is minor modifications. And again, we're waiting on who deems what to be minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, minor modification. My God, that could uh, yeah. that could take any shape uh, like that. Yeah, that's a that's a real can of worms. That one. It is. Yeah. It is. So again, they're saying you know tenants in Europe can go and repaint a whole house. My argument with them was with Demirs was, but we have a three month bond. I'm okay with the tenant painting the house if we had three months um, worth of rent as as bond. Mm. Again, it's I understand it's their home, but it's the owner's property. And again, I think it's about these modifications done in a responsible way where it also protects the tenant so that they're not open. You know, they're not putting holes in walls where, you know, there might be a water pipe or might be mm. putting a grab rail on a in a shower where you've got marble tiles that are going to be a really expensive item to replace down the track. Mm. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm guessing that the, the legislators are, are thinking minor modifications look like picture hooks. Picture hooks, yeah. So, yeah. well, picture hooks, yeah. yeah. Okay, have some picture hooks and make the mm, home, home feel like home. home yeah. Get that, but then is there a, there is a responsibility to fix it up when you leave or do you just leave the picture hooks there? Yeah, you, yeah, for the you, next person. Yeah. The next person. And even it, it's as simple as those command hooks, you know, that they advertise on TV that they're for tenants and so forth. They they take a, a lot of paint off when you, you know, remove mm, them. So mm, even mm. though they're marketed for that purpose. Mm. Um, so it's about edu- working with tenants. Again, just asking, we're not wanting to withhold that permission, but again, I think it's extending that courtesy to an owner of saying, I would like to do this. and then as professionals working through the, the risks that, that might come with for a tenant for doing those things. What does the government hope to achieve out of, out of all this? Like, are they trying to just make homes nicer to live in for tenants? You know, it doesn't sound like they're doing anything to increase supply, which is therefore to say that rents are going to stay persistently high. Mm. What are they trying to achieve? So I think from their research, they were, is telling them that people are renting for life or longer than they have 
previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe that's not maybe that's not a total affordability issue. Maybe it's just a changing times where, you know, the next generation do yeah, mm-hmm. don't don't want to own things like, you know, we used to. You know, you look at Uber and, and all those things. So just a changing nature of the population, I suppose, that they're going to be renting for longer and they but again, our leases, you know, our average leases are uh, tenancies are really for around two years. Yep. So, you know, we're not a Europe where we rent the same house for twenty years. So mm, it's it's mm. very yeah very different yeah, scenarios. It, it, it's interesting, isn't it? That you, we're not a Europe, and and the US is a bit a bit from what I can understand, it's a bit Europe esque yeah, in in that, in tenancies. The, the, some tenancies are you know they're very long term, and you know people make that that choice. Mm. Um, and okay, the government want to make these changes and it sounds like it, it'll be good for the, t- you know, nice for the tenants, but if it adds an impost to the owner and you get people going, you know what, I'm not going to buy an investment property. I'll put my money in the share market where I don't have people pestering me as, as to how I use my money. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting day, Sue Brown. Interesting it is. Days. It is. And it will be, um, you know, I've spoken to a few owners, owners that are upset about the pets thing in particular. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it will affect supply. I mean, we're lucky at the moment we've got a lot of Eastern States investors seeing value in Perth. So they're picking up stock that our owners are, are letting go, our local owners and so I wonder, wonder if the pet lobby was actually behind this. Mm. Well, it's encouraged more tenants to have pets. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And now we've got, uh, we're selling more dogs and cats. Mm. I'm being a bit cynical (laughs) there. Cynic in you, yeah. (laughs) Right, okay. Anything else we need to cover on that? Uh, The major ones were pets, minor modifications. There's a second round of of reforms coming, second half of the year, so around December. Mm. I think that, oh, uh, that will cover break leases and a few other issues. The other thing is Demirs want to be involved in all of the dispute resolution rather than um, the magistrate's court. A lot of people... I can't see that being a, necessarily a bad thing. No. Is that right? Because I, of, I know from my experience from years ago, going to court was a real pain in the backside. And uh, mm. you know, if, if there was a more efficient system... I don't think there'd be too many property managers or property owners would be unhappy about that. No, and I think courts courts intimidating, you know, for 100%. for property managers and and especially those that don't feel comfortable in that um, and young ones and and those with less experience. So I don't have an issue. I mean, Demir's and I think we at the moment we have no recourse if a magistrate makes some rogue decisions or at the minute we have a committee with Demir's that we attend, which is a property. Property Industry Advisory Committee. So we have a, you know, a really direct point there to raise issues, whether it's timing, whether it's decisions. And I think we'll get, with Demirs, we'll get precedent. So we'll have, mm. this is the decision, whereas magistrates, depending on what court and what magistrate and who. Some of the decisions that came out of the magistrate's court were just horrendous. random. They were, yeah, just very. Like, yeah. well, actually, I don't like the owner that's sitting in front of me. Find in favour of the tenant. Dead right, yeah. And we've got some, we've heard cases of some at the moment, unending tenancies. So they're not making the tenant vacate. Wow. So which is there. So you've got the tenant there that's not paying rent, bashing no. the place around. Oh, you can stay for a bit longer. Yeah, because, mm. of the, because of the market. So I don't, look, again, I think it'll need to, 
you know, be put in process in in place and the process roll out and then we can but but I think we've got influence there that we can go, this isn't working. I think a lot of property managers are still scarred from COVID when they had to do mediation with mayors and for a lot of them it wasn't a great experience. But yeah. Yeah, COVID times was challenging for property managers was, yeah. and, and for owners. My God. Mm. Was, uh, yeah. Very difficult time. Yeah. It was in a way it was fun uh, in that everyone <laughs> sort of just had to just stop what they're doing and just just kind of chill for a bit. Mm. But then the, the realities started to go, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty. I did feel for tenants in COVID because, you know, owners had the opportunity to freeze their repayments, um, you know, do a whole host of things. Tenants were really at the mercy of, of an owner um, and the government, I suppose, putting that legislation in to protect them and give them some um, rights. There, there was a lot of unknowns at that at the time. There was, yeah. 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 And I think the, the government, everyone was just making stuff up as they, as they went along. As they yeah. Went on, so. yeah. Which is fair enough. No one had been through a pandemic like that before, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in Morrison's shoes. No, no, mm. no, no. Well, um, at Morrison's shoes or uh, the, uh, the the local, our, our local premier. Mm. So, mm. uh, of course, you'd probably want to be in his shoes at the moment know, because he's retiring. A <laughs> <laughs> $250,000 salary for life. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. How do you That'd get a gig nice. like that? Yeah, we'll become the premier. Right. No chance of that. <laughs> now, Sue, I want to talk about investment properties, mm-hmm. what makes a, a good in, investment property, but more particularly, what makes a good rental property. Mm-hmm. So where do we start with identifying a good rental property? What's your thoughts? So we take over a lot of new builds for developers that, that do house and land packages for investors. And when we're advising them on the plans or what, what to actually build, I mean, air conditioning's always got to be at the top of the list mm-hmm. um, and it's not cutting it now just with one air con, one split system in the living. It's like we want them yeah, in. The, or the old evaporative yeah. air conditioner on yeah. the roof, yeah. No. And we always say bedroom sizes. You know, we're finding especially kids and teenagers are living more and more in their bedrooms, mm-hmm. um, you know, studying there, gaming there, doing whatever. So we're saying rather than pokey four bedrooms, you know, mm-hmm. let's do generous, you know, three bedrooms in so some air cases. Yeah. Decent sized bedrooms yeah. and you'd prefer a decent sized three by two than a tiny four by two. Yeah, look, in if they're compromising the the plan of the home to just get a fourth bedroom on, we always say, look, just give give a bit more to the living space, give a bit more to bedrooms and, and make it a three. Mm-hmm. And internet's paramount. Um, mm. You know, people are checking. They're checking if we have the MBN. Is that a factor? Is it? Well, the work because from it, home. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. A lot of people are working from home, but if they can get five G on their phones, then mm, not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Is that is that a factor? Or people still, still want, want the yeah. MBN? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah. Because yeah. they want to sit there and stream Netflix yeah. and you know have a, a basically all you can eat experience. Whereas five yeah. G is a bit limited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then most definitely clean is is top of tenants list. Yeah, yeah. You know, the newer ones do tend to attract tenants. Um, what you see in apartments at the moment are, you know, tenants, again, probably they're quite transient if they're happy living in apartments. They will move to the next apartment block that's got the newer pool and the newer gym, the new amenities. Um, so you'll find a lot of ageing apartment buildings have probably higher vacancies, not right mm-hmm. at the moment, but in mm-hmm. previous times. Mm-hmm. 
and probably low maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, tenants, everybody's a bit time for poor, so tenants don't necessarily want, you know, too many gardens to look after or too much garden. Let's let's talk about so what you're describing there is basically tenants wanting or preferring something new. Is that is that right? I think so, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. they like the, the new Well, let's face it, you know, first homeowners back back when I bought my first home, it was a, you know, a, it was a god, it was a dump. <laughs> Honestly, it was a dump. And I can't imagine anyone volunteering to start their first home in a in the dump that we started no. in. I I know that well Rita told me after because I bought it and she didn't see it until about 3 weeks later and she came out and she parked out the front door and she just burst into tears before she'd even seen it. So <laughs> inside <laughs> we almost didn't get married oh as a result my God, of that, yeah. But yeah, you know the, like everyone likes something yeah, new. Yeah. Where I'm going with this is that there's a bit of a fight between uh, newness and amenities and capital growth because yep. you can totally. get the, yeah, mm. you know where I'm going there. So you yeah. get the, you know, beautiful three bedroom, two bathroom apartment that does attract a good rent and does attract a good quality tenant, but basically not going to get any capital growth out of it. Yeah. But it could also be just, you know, something really nice in Vic Park that hasn't been painted for 10 years. Just give it a lick of paint and freshen it up, smells a lot nicer, looks a lot nicer. You know, mm. you're not living with, you know, previous marks on walls from previous people and yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. just it's it's that it's maintaining your investment especially in this when tenants are paying really top market rent I think it's important to mm. invest back in your property do tenants in your experience do they focus much on location is it a big consideration well yes uh, not uh, probably as much one of, that's one of the most yeah. equivocal <laughs> answers I've ever been no, yes. given <laughs> um You'll find now, I think the working from home and the less commuting, you know, has probably people are more inclined to live further out where it's more affordable and they don't have to commute, do the commute to work as much as they five days a week. Mm -hmm. That's played an impact. So we're seeing those areas, you know, but some of the rents they're getting, I mean, you know, you're looking at $500 for a three by two in Butler, which Mm. just, you know, wasn't that long ago that we were probably getting $280, so... What? I think what we're seeing in areas like Valdivis as such, we're hitting an affordability peak or a ceiling, I suppose. You know, there's sort of when you're heading up to $600 a week for a family home in Valdivis and it's, you know, um, what, 35 k's from the city, I think we're hitting a ceiling with rents where um, people just, you know, you can't ring out any more out of the what they're bringing in. Are you finding that, Investors uh, or, or tenants are doubling and tripling up in a, in a home. They, they, yeah, yeah. So after COVID, the house sizes uh, went smaller. So people, uh, we saw a lot of marriage breakups. People didn't like mm. having to spend that much time with each other. Realised they didn't necessarily <laughs> like each other. And a lot of shared housing tenants went, well, if I'm going to be stuck home and locked down with you, um, I don't really like you either. So they, they went to smaller smaller house sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, definitely that's changing now where you'll have, yeah, you'll have people sharing again a lot, mm-hmm. lot bigger. Yeah, mm. Couples, you know, three couples in a three-bedroom, which six people, which is, yeah, which we wouldn't have seen that for a long time. That sounds like our neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's about 25 of them. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm exaggerating, mm. but uh, there's a few Are they there. young? No? 
twenties. Yeah, in their yeah, 20s. we're seeing it and, we're, and professionals. Professionals, yeah, and it's funny. I and think it was just the, there's a whole cohort of them in. Yeah, we're seeing it a lot with professionals, and maybe it's because I don't know whether they're shift workers, whether it just works for them. You know, I think it's yeah, people mm. are making it work. Mm. We we had one of them chose to sleep in his car outside our house. Right. Yeah. And he'd After leave his night car. Out. No, no, oh. no, literally every <laughs> night. He'd just come oh. home from work, leave his car running and oh. just sleep in his car. Wow. All, all, all night. night. Oh. have his car running for five or six hours. Oh, okay. So That's. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> yes. And I, I, I don't know what was behind that. Mm, but anyway, no. It's uh, interesting. Now, in terms of older homes especially or let's rental properties generally where are the big maintenance costs um so air conditioning obviously Mm -hmm. maintaining gardens can be a cost you know if you let a lawn die the tenant lets the lawn die over time and and has to rectify that the tenant or the owner Mm -hmm. uh yeah i suppose let me just ask you another follow-up question are you finding that owners would prefer to pay strata levies and the built-in maintenance that gets done with um, with strata levies or DIY their own own maintenance? I would say I, I think we're still away away from the apartment market. I mean it's there's less supply now because of I think there's just less listing stock and less rental stock and less construction going on full stop. There's less new development starting. But I think we've just got, still got to get over the stigma of apartments, you know, apartment living. Again, if we go back to Europe, you know, there's mm. there's nothing wrong. You have your pets, you have your you live, and you you know have a lifestyle. Whereas we we look like there's something wrong if you if you go and buy an apartment. It just seems that it's still not the Australian mm. thing to do. Yeah, it's a garden so, and the backyard. Yeah, and the Barbie and the yeah, yeah. You've got to have a, a cricket pitch that in mm. the backyard and a, yeah. Place to have your esky and yeah. your uh, jet ski and yeah, but then people are time poor and not wanting to maintain that, so it it does make sense, I think. Hence the the emergence of the cottage blocks. Mm. Yes, and dual keys. Have you seen? Have you heard of the dual keys that are happening? Yeah, tell us more. So I think that's uh, obviously it generates you know double income or a lot more generous income of rents. It it does address a part of the supply issue. So. So just explain what dual key is. So you would get a, a block where there would be, say, a three-by-two house with um, maybe a one-car garage and an entry, and then you would also have a parapet wall, and then you would have a or a dividing wall, a party wall, and you would have a, a small two-by-one also sort of. So it's kind of like a, a granny flat, only connected. Yes, connected. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And... It is on the same title, mm. so yes, it's not right. yep. unlike a duplex where you yes, yeah, cut it down the middle. It's yeah. a yeah. So I suppose in time you could turn that into a five bedroom, two three bathroom. Yeah, you know, but um, it'll be interesting. I, I I'm a little bit concerned about parking issues because I've seen a few subdivisions where they've maybe approved twelve in a row. Mm. Different builders, and I think twelve dual key properties yes, in a row. Yeah. And they're hoping that everyone will be able to park not on the street. Yes. And um, considering housing sizes are getting bigger, I can see that being an issue with street parking, uh, cars being lined up and down the street. But we'll see. Well, to speculate about the future, 
we hear that once we have uh, fully electric cars, uh, and then once those cars are fully self-driving, mm. then there's a question, well, why do you need to own a car? Uh, and just a get, garaging and, and yeah, all the rest. Um, um, when do you think that'll be, Peter? Mm, so um, let me just get my crystal ball <laughs> out. There's there's a lot of things I am uh, fortune tellers, not one of them. Yeah, mm. Interesting time. I think it's not as far off as we think. You know, when you look at, well, when you look at AI now and, and just the, you know, pace of change we're going through. I don't, I don't think it's as far away as we once thought, but we'll see. Okay, so you are, in that sentence, you're almost drawing a, you're connecting AI with the shape of, of suburbs for the future. Hmm. Hmm. Well, C- certainly, we've seen in COVID times we saw a big shift in the way people worked and suddenly your office space where you might have had 500 square metres of office space mm. and uh, then everyone wants to work from home and then now I only need 150 square metres of office space for the regular or the, mm. the, the monthly staff meeting or something. And that's been driven by the technology, mm. which is to your point. that Yeah, technology, covid you know, had a big part to play in that, obviously. Mm. But now it's, it's you know, we, we're trying to find a temp at the moment to cover some leave and they're going, I'll work three days but two days from home. And for us to set up someone from home and, and you know, security-wise and that for a few week, a two-week assignment is um, challenging. So it's it's interesting. Mm. And you're one of the champions. At another time, I'd love love to talk about the, the, the four-day work week, work week. Um, but that's yeah, topic another for another. Podcast. another yeah. um, <laughs> we'll have a good debate on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, no, that, that's good, Sue. I think, uh, I think we've covered a, a, a fair bit of territory there. Yeah. Now, you do a fair bit of work with Eastern States buyers agents. Tell me, what are they, what are they buying for their clients? And in your opinion, do you think they're, is this the, are they heading in the right direction? What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I don't, I, they're paying good money for a lot of properties. And, and I, at the moment, I don't think, you know, that's too, that's not in the best interest of their clients because I think the Perth market's got a lot of legs. They, I think they're chasing yield and, you know, we're getting some incredible yield in suburbs like Butler. Uh, Armadale's incredible. You know, a lot of those suburbs where they can pick up something, you know, for under 400000 you know, and get even Gosnells, I think I had one that had an 8% yield. So it's incredible. Mm. Uh, so they seem to be chasing that. They're doing their due diligence with the pest and building report. So that covers that. But they're just chasing, yeah, ma- mainly mainly yield, I think. So they're chasing yield. In your view, do you think they'll get capital growth? For the next few years, yeah, yeah, I think. I think Perth's got a long way, you know, um, when you look at the median house price of of Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, even Adelaide's higher than us at the moment, and the cost of construction, you know, a house and land package, um, I've got some land coming up in Huntingdale that'll be just shy of 300,000, just over 300,000. Cheapest house you could build on that is 300,000. So you're you're looking at a $620,000 package in Huntingdale. Wow. I mean, it's probably closer to Sun River, but 
the established the market fancy end of Huntingdale. Yeah, but the established market has got still got growth there to catch up. So I think if they're buying established stock, I think they'll see growth mm. still. Okay, let's right. make my crystal balls right. I hope it is too, Sue. Mm. I hope it is too because there's a lot of frenzy in the market at the moment. There's mm. a lot of people. They kind of just get my name on the title, title and yeah. I'll pay any, like, I, I just tried to buy a property in, in uh, Eden Hill where the, the uh, agent was guiding for mid fours and mid fours I take to be, let's say, 440 to 460 or yeah. In, yeah. The, in that range. Yeah. Let's call it 460. Mm. It sold for 550. Wow. That's incredible. Hard to hard to get your head around that. It is, isn't it? Just how many offers do you know? Heaps. Yeah. When I was involved in the process early on, there was seven. Wow. And I that's do you know that's become exacerbated in the last month because listing stock is down to five thousand eight hundred now five thousand eight hundred eighty five. Yeah, it's incredibly low. Which is thirty percent lower than last year, and nearly ten percent lower than just a month ago. Yeah. So you can see. The frenzy and the fear of missing out is is very real, and just and with rents, you know, continually rising, people are really seriously doing the sums and going, well, if I just pay a bit over the odds, it's mm. I've got some security in the market, and I've got so that that FOMO is also in the rental market, mm. and there's one of those uh, changes to the legislation, which is you can't. Oh yes, yes, annual rent increases. Annual and rent, rent increases, and no rent bidding. And rent bid, yeah. no rent bidding. But the rent bidding, to be fair, I had a meeting with Demirs uh, probably a month ago about that. The rent, I, I was saying, the rent bidding isn't driven by agents; it is driven purely by desperation of tenants. Mm. So you can legislate all you want; it will not stop a tenant coming to you and going, "I will pay an extra fifty dollars." It stops an agent saying somebody else has offered more. Peter, yeah. would you like? Stops the agent from encouraging. Would it. you like to put your best offer forward? Would you? Which you know is a, is a hard thing. We can't tell tenants that now. You know, it doesn't just because you pay more yeah, doesn't so, mean you get the so, property. So now, on the one hand, you're not encouraging it, but now the everyone's tenant going is to flying blind. Yeah, and then then the tenant misses out, and yeah. they say, "Well, why didn't you say anything?" Well, exactly. I'm not allowed to yeah. because of demer- what demers yeah. have done. So what do you think now? Everyone will just put more, offer more. When they come to a home open and see 30 other people there, they will just automatically go, I'm going to offer more to get it. Yeah. Or agents saying, I'm not allowed to encourage Courage. Yep. rent bidding. Mm. I can say this property is on the market at 550 and what you do from there is your choice. So once, it come, once again, we come back to supply. Yeah. And that, that is driving this desperation. I haven't seen it, you know. This much desperation. I've not seen it ever. I've not seen it either. No, and you've been at the same time as me. Sue Brown, I know that you have an appointment to go to. I do. Um, I'm sure that at some point this afternoon you'll you will be drinking white wine and enjoying (laughs) a nice lunch, (laughs) as as it is Friday after all. It's been absolutely fantastic to chat. If people want to get hold of you and and uh, talk to you about you managing a property for them. How would they do that? Yep. Email at suzanne at rentwest.com.au. Otherwise, mobile's 0417-916-220. There you go, folks. You've got the boss's <laughs> mobile number and direct email. It's not often you get that, and that's a testament to the quality you are, Sue Brown. Uh, thank so you, Peter. Thank you very much. Thank and, you. And uh, until next week, this has been the WA Property Q&A podcast. And that wraps up another 
episode of the WA Property Q&A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening. Thank you.